Justin Trudeau's government was just handed an embarrassing loss in court. I'm Sheila Gunn-Reed, and you're watching The Gun Show. thing happened this week. Justin Trudeau's anti-pipeline, well, they call it the No More Pipeline Law, Bill C-69 was struck down in the federal court as unconstitutional. It was based on a court challenge brought by, yes, you guessed it, the province of Alberta saying that the federal government had severely overstepped its mandate and wandered into provincial territory when it made a whole host of things considerations when approving massive energy projects. For example, the new legislation included an examination of the intersection of sex and gender for some reason when considering approving a pipeline project. So I thought, why not have two people who would be apparent considerations to the federal government when approving a pipeline project. You see, they're supposed to, or they were supposed to examine how a pipeline made us ladies feel, or whether the members of the LGBT community would be adversely affected by this pipeline. So me being a woman and my guest being a gay Métis man, I thought, who better to talk about (laughs) the federal government's loss in court um, to a government in Alberta that's also led by a lady, Danielle Smith. So joining me today in an interview we recorded yesterday morning is my friend Robbie Picard from Oil Sands Strong. Take a listen. So joining me now is my friend Robbie Picard from Oil Sands Strong. Robbie, thanks for agreeing to come on the show. As soon as I heard that Justin Trudeau's No More Pipelines law was struck down, I knew I had to talk to you um, because you've been such an advocate against this law for a very long time. What was your first reaction? I mean, this is a a court challenge that was brought by Jason Kenney, continued by Daniel Smith. Um, What was your first reaction when you heard, yes, he lost? Um, I was absolutely thrilled, but candidly, I wasn't that surprised. I always thought that that law was a massive overreach, and I felt that it was uh, literally a way to suppress and hold back Alberta and put us in a position that we're sort of, I don't know, subservient to our overloads or overlords in Ottawa that don't have any sense. So I wasn't surprised, uh, but I was absolutely thrilled. And I hope it's the beginning of us reclaiming our sovereignty when it comes to our energy resources. Yeah, I mean, it was struck down on the um, on the opinion of the court in a 5-2 decision that it was reaching into things that are provincial jurisdiction. But I thought it was uh, strange because there was, you know, one sort of kooky dissenting voice in all of this. Um, and that was, I'm just scrolling down. Um Supreme Court Justice Sheila Greckel. She was a dissenter on this and she wrote, Our planet is on fire. We need water, not heat. I assume she doesn't live in northern Alberta like you do. <laughs> uh, once again, uh, it, it goes to show you that the 
I'd make the argument that the so-called green energy movement has sabotaged common sense in politics. And I, I'll be honest with you, I'm finding myself really hard pressed for any type of carbon action in Canada, period. We are only 1.0% of all global warming. And what I find very interesting is, is that if Canada fell off the face of the earth tomorrow and we did not exist, we'd make zero difference when it comes to global emissions. But we're taxing ourselves, penalizing ourselves, stopping pipelines. And if you look at the current situation in the world right now, what's going on in Israel and other places, you need a strong country that has strong resources, that has good energy, um, that does it environmentally friendly and fiscally responsible. And uh, it, it goes to show you that the, it, it, this is not about law or common sense. It, this is about a woke movement that has poisoned federal politics. You know, I'm so glad you brought up just how this really put wokeness into legislation regarding energy projects. Like, I, I don't even know how what sort of fevered mind cooked this legislation up. But when you really drill down on what uh, the legislation was, it forced federal regulators. First of all, it created a whole new regulatory body. The other one was working just fine. The National Energy Board was working just fine. It created a whole new regulator and then forced that new regulator to consider woke things like climate change, public health, and the intersection of sex and gender before approving major energy projects. Uh, Robbie, I, I don't think that I'm outing you when I say that you're gay, um, but I think that gay people need jobs too. And what better job than to work in oil and gas to create something that your friends and neighbors need to stay alive while reaping a good salary? You know... I have been finding myself like so perplexed as a gay guy, uh, how the world is shaping up right now. And um, so I did an experiment. I reached out to multiple gay friends of mine, probably about 50. And I asked them, what do all these letters mean? New letters, these the LGBT. And candidly, none of them knew. And then I reached out to some of my lesbian friends and they didn't know. So, I am really worried that our movement was that was about equality. We wanted the same rights. So, like, like I have a boyfriend now. We shacked up, and if I choose, I want to get married. I want that right. Um, but that's where my kind of activism kind of stops because I, I thought of the situation where these like two guys they they, they sued this person, the Christian person that didn't approve of gay marriage. and didn't want to make him a wedding cake, and people were all upset about it. And I thought, you know what? If there's only one place to get a wedding cake in town, then I would say that was sort of a human rights thing. But if you had an option to go to Costco or somewhere else to get a cake, then that is an individual right. So why would I want someone making me my cake that didn't support the fact that I wanted to have get, get married? We've gone to the point now where it's beyond equality. It's infringing on other people's rights. And it, it is going to be a vicious pendulum that is going to come swinging back. And the very rights of the, the same equality we could potentially lose. And I think the biggest problem is, is that I'm all for, you know, you're 18 years old um, and you want to get a sex change and you want to chop it off, go nuts. But I don't believe anyone under 18 and frankly, 18 plus the mind is developed enough yet to make that decision. And you certainly don't, 
need to take that difficult problem of trans identity and sexual orientation and sexual identity and all that stuff that has zero to do with pipelines, that has zero to do with anything else. And we have gotten this society so whacked now that everything's somehow connected when they're not. And oil and gas, and candidly, particularly here in Fort McMurray, where you have a very vibrant and affluent gay population that is doing very well, we need to protect oil and gas because that is what provides the equality for everybody. But I am very worried that this movement has gone so far that they don't even know what they're pushing for and the pendulum is going to come back and it's not going to be pretty. You know, one of the things you've often spoken to me about is the treatment of sexual minorities in the Middle East. And one of the great hypocrisies of this legislation that has been thankfully struck down was that it considered the intersection of sex and gender before approving energy projects here in Alberta, where gay people have rights, but it never considered the intersection of sex and gender while importing conflict oil from Algeria, Nigeria, Saudi Arabia. That was never a consideration. Those energy projects and that oil never had to jump through the same hoops as ours. You know, I got into some hot water a few years yeah, ago you did. when I made my... <laughs> my legendary lesbian post. But what the post meant was in Canada, lesbians are considered hot. In Saudi Arabia, if you're lesbian, you die. Why are we getting oil from countries that don't think lesbians are hot? Choose equality, choose Canadian oil. And, you know, like, I, I, I really think that unless you face it head on, a problem, I don't think people understand the seriousness of what goes on on that side of the world. I mean, we only hear maybe 2% of it. Um, I know a few, you know, gay Palestinian kids who ended up going to Israel because they would have been butchered and destroyed because of their, their families and religion. I mean, that's one of the most homophobic places on the earth. Uh, and to think that we somehow are, we've lost a sense of, decorum, an ability to respectfully disagree, an ability to discuss issues in a mature way. Um, and I'm really worried that, uh, you know, like we, we have it really good right now. And I, I am scared that if we don't get some common sense back into our government and back into our politics, we're going to lose our minds. Like gay or sorry, gender identity has zero to do with pipelines and oil production. None. Has zero to do. Um, when it comes to Canadian oil, well, I mean, I'm arguably one of the most successful, you know, oil sands, oil and gas activists in the country, and I'm openly gay. I've spoken at many rebel events and cracked a few really good gay jokes, and, and I've always been treated with respect and dignity and candidly, like, you know, it's been an amazing experience. So, sure, there's always things that we can do to move the needle forward. There's always things we can do. But my fear is, is that this wokeness that is affecting us right now, um, it's going to come back brutal. And all of these people talking about stuff, if you had a terrorist attack on our soil or something like that, they would be not, I don't think they understand what oppression is. So I, I, I urge the world to stop punishing. It's, it's ridiculous. Once again, Canada only produces 1.5% of all global emissions. It is not peanuts, it's fractions of peanuts. 
we should be celebrating our energy industry, building pipelines, building connections, doing economic reconciliation for indigenous people um, in a way that has meaningful, does some business and jobs and it helps indigenous, uh, you know, indigenous people become, you know, business people and success stories, which we have. We take that model, we spread it around the country. We work on reducing our pollution, recycling more, you know, reclaiming land faster. All of that is all in our wheelhouse, which we're doing all the time. Uh, gender identity and, and pipelines are two things that should never be connected in any form. And, you know, I, th I don't think we realize the damage that the, the Trudeau Liberals have done. Um, and I think we will start seeing it. Um, our debt is through the roof. I mean, it's, it's inflation is really high. The difference between the really rich and the poor is getting wider. Every promise he's ever made, he hasn't kept. Um, I truly hope that there's a way out, but I also hope on all sides, like, you know, I, in McMurray on all issues, like I, I'm actually brokering a meeting between some politicians here, some Muslims and a couple of people from the pride community to sit down and grow the grow up and speak in a way that you can have disagreements and uh, I'm happy I think that's going to happen because it, 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 all sides need to sit down grow up and agree to find a path forward you can't do that if you don't talk to your opponent you know that's a that's a really excellent point it's one thing that Justin Trudeau is really great at is dividing us demonizing the other side yeah. of the debate so that you think oh my goodness those why would I want to sit down and talk to somebody I heard Justin Trudeau say on the news is a Nazi? I don't want to talk to Nazis. I don't want to be seen talking to Nazis when they're, they're not Nazis. They're just people who believe something different than you or see the world through a different lens. I wanted to ask you before we move on to what happens next with C69, because it looks like the liberals are not going to let it go. I wanted to just circle back uh, to the um, woke infestation um, in federal legislation, it's not just languishing in federal legislation. You were a victim of the woke cancel culture mob. You sort of touched on that a little bit when you talked about uh, that post that you made way back then um, about human rights in the Middle East with conflict oil versus Canadian oil. And uh, of course, the anti-oil side jumped on what happened to you but so did the hypersensitive pro-oil activists. They sort of just hung you out to dry, even though your argument was completely valid. But you survived. You came out the other side, didn't you? Yeah. Um, my, I guess my journey with activism has been, you know, a bit of a roller coaster. And, uh, um, and you're seeing it again. Um, I'm actually was at a conference where I, you know, I called a few people out on our side. And, Good. Um, it's sort of like, I'll be honest, you know, I, I, I've had plenty of time to go over that post and, you know, and, and sometimes I'm like, should I have done it? Should I have not? 50-50, like, um, I, a long term, I think it did have make a mission of like, it, it got the conversation about, um, I mean, we talked about gender equality, uh, you know, washrooms and trans issues in Canada, like in that side of the world, like they, they will cut off your head if you're gay there. I mean, there, there is no kindness or hurt feelings. It becomes very physical. And it's, if it's not brutal beatings, it's right. death. I think we 
on our side have just become so you said it when you did that video supporting me and talking about um they're feeding the feeding the crocodiles other people the crocodiles hoping to get eaten last and i think that is a huge problem like i i am concerned that we are getting to a point where we're you know apologizing too much and we're not saying like look we our oil is the best we're one of the most stable countries in the world we have the some of the best regulations and we're doing good work here I think we need to celebrate that and our side needs to be far more assertive, far more aggressive and fight for the right. Like look at, look at Edmonton right now, the homeless crisis, yep. look at Calgary, look at this country and all of these encampments. I mean, we had a little bit out of McMurray, but I mean, we have a, we're pretty affluent here and we can handle things a little bit easier and we're able to pivot and make decisions. But like, I don't think people understand what happens if they do succeed and they shut down our oil and gas industry, you're going to have mass poverty. You're going to have mass people not sure what to do, homelessness, crime, violence. Um, we have a really good thing going here, and I we need to protect it because it could be the, the end of our civilization as we know it in this country, and you're already seeing small signs of that. I mean, in Alberta, you can still come get a good job and own a home at an affordable rate. You can't do that in major parts of the country anymore. And I don't think people understand like the dream, the, the, the Canadian American dream, that dream of, you know, having a better life for your family, that's at stake. And it's to, to destroy an energy industry, to destroy a sector of the country that helps so many people when all of the work we do as Canadians will make this much difference. It, I, I'm blown away by it. However, you know, I'm not going to give up. I'm, I'm firing the bus tour up again. I'm headed to Ottawa. The magazine's exploding. Um, I have been meet, meeting a lot of people in Calgary. I'm taking a far more aggressive approach. Of I have a lot more confidence in myself. I'm, I'm meeting with people. I used to be kind of soft and not soft anymore, but I'm also trying to be more strategic so I don't run into a major scandal that could derail me. Like, you know, I don't think it derailed you. Uh but I'm glad that you're listing all the things that you're doing as part of your activism because it sounds like the Liberals are not done with their No More Pipelines law. They said the current version of the law has been struck down as an unconstitutional overreach. Great. But uh, the Liberals are committing to keeping the law, but just adding amendments to make it constitutional. So we're going to need Robbie Picard doing all the things that Robbie Picard does more than ever. I'm going to, so I'm going to Ottawa. I'm going to be spending quite a bit of time there. I'm going to be doing a lot more interviews. Um, the one thing, the polls are shifting. Uh, you, you, you can see that uh, the conservatives are in majority territory. They've been there for a couple yeah. of months now. Um, Here's my message to Canada. It's real simple. When you live in a big city, it's hard to understand how much, you know, oil and gas you actually use, but you use actually more just existing in the city, even if you're recycling, even if you're like got your blue box and you're, you know, you take your bio thing at the, at the cafeteria and you throw it in there. Oil and gas is why these cities exist and a strong, economy in Alberta, rural Alberta, in Fort McMurray, in Grand Prairie, that helps maintain the gigantic cities like Toronto and uh, Calgary. And 
I, I think like bluntly, like you can have a better life. I mean, I know so many people in Toronto right now that are basically existing just to pay for rent on something that they will never get ahead. Well, I would say there is not a mass emergency for us to give up our energy industry and you should fight for it because, you know, no matter what happens to Justin Trudeau, he's worth, you know, millions of dollars as a world celebrity. He's going to be okay. But when you can't afford a place to live and uh, all these things that you take for granted now, or if you live in Toronto, you barely have, but you still kind of have, that's at risk um, with this insane inflation, this insane debt, all of it. I mean, it's, I was watching uh, Christina Freeland talk uh, with Pierre Polyev, and I'm just like, this has been, I've never, you know, in my life seen anything like this. I've seen Mulroney and Cretchen, and I've seen, you know, the fall of the Conservatives when, you know, Kim Campbell had two seats, but I've never seen a government so unaccountable for their actions. And the, I mean, you got to give them credit. Madnick has been. Yeah. I mean, he said he would have a balanced budget. He's never had a balanced budget. We have massive debt. And sure, you can make the argument that out of the G7, our economy is doing better. Sure, you can make that argument. But that's not good enough. We need to live in a country that is building the future for the next generation to ensure that they can have the same things. And this high debt, high inflation. And I mean, when you talk to people about this t- carbon tax, like, People, if they don't drive a car, they don't, they're, they're just so farming and groceries, they just don't get it. Like, they don't understand that that, that crop has to be swathed, and then it has to go through a combine, and then it's got to go to the granary to the to the be processed, a cargo, and then it's got to get shipped, and it gets made into stuff. Like, there's all of these steps before it shows up at the grocery, and each and every one of those steps is now have it, has a tax on it a tax that is going to make zero different in the climate of the world. And, and that is sure. You can make the argument that the grocery stores, you know, they, they, they were profiting off of inflation and you can have that big summit, but the heart of it is the sheer cost. I know so many people whose utilities have tripled. Then you take, then you take a, an interest rate goes up on a mortgage. Like if you didn't have like a secured, a locked in rate, well, now all of a sudden you're paying 900 bucks a month more, a thousand yeah. bucks, 1400 bucks more. It's crippling people. And that's something that I think this government has really screwed us on. So tell us, what are you doing next and how people can support the work that you do? Because you do this mostly just as a labor of love for the industry and for the people of Alberta and Canada extended. Tell us how people can get involved. So um, I'm actually going to send everyone to oilandgasworld.ca, um, join the mailing list, um, and uh, get our magazine. The magazine is free of charge. We have a digital copy that we uh, that you can get. We put it on the stores. Um, if you're in the position to advertise, that would be great. We've got a paper version um, and, uh, that goes out, or sorry, print version. Um, follow. Buy our merch. We actually, in some good news, we sold out of all our merch twice nice. this month. So it's popular. Uh, that helps support. And uh, we're going to be getting our uh, our video. I've been doing a daily little brief video on what's going on. This is sort of the tester, the first one here. 
Um, I'm going to be starting to do more of that. So please support us um, and share our posts and that type of stuff on Facebook. I mean, Facebook, we still have our Facebook page. So um, that's a good thing. I mean, that's the other thing I want to talk about. I mean, what the hell happened right. there? I, I Like that, that is such a horrible thing that our prime minister did to this, to, to this country. And uh, I, I can't believe it that you got to give him credit, man. Like, he, he can play dirty with a smile on his face, but I, to, to have it, I mean, all the stuff going on across the world right now, and uh, you can't freely sh- <clears throat> share it if you're on Facebook or Instagram, it's wrong. Yeah. yeah. You know, and it's, 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 it's wrong. You know, he did it. it the LinkedIn's exploding and there's some, you know, there's some beauty there. Yeah, but. I mean, there are ways around it and you have to be careful and, uh, you know, people are flooding over to Twitter because that seems to be where, or whatever it's called now, X, because that seems to be where the news yeah. is unfiltered. But yeah, it, it and it did blow up in the uh, mainstream media's faces because they thought, okay, great, Justin Trudeau is going to extort big tech so that big tech pays us. And as it turns out, big tech just turned off sharing and then the advertising dollars subsequently fell for the mainstream media because their reach was just completely limited. So that's what they get for trying to extort the paper boy to pay the paper company. Well, well, and I think, I I think the thing too, is I don't think people realize that symbiotic relationship because Facebook is actually very personal Mm. and it's almost an extension of yourself. Right. So, um, I would, I would make the argument that social media saved mainstream Mm -hmm. media in a lot of ways because it was able to make them more relevant. Like in McMurray, we had, I think we had four murders in the last month. I mean, there was a bunch of stuff going on. Yeah. We had, Oh yeah. We had a crazy time. There was a, a live active shooter in one neighborhood and he got shot and killed by the police. And people are, trying to share information and uh it was impossible because like there were, it was the, you know it was a very he changed the dynamic so like i really truly hope that when pierre polyev is prime minister he keeps his word and he gets he makes it gets rid of the carbon tax one and two uh fixes this uh this bill in regards to social media because you know um it's uh, it's kind of scary. Like, I mean, you got to give Trudeau credit. I think a lot of people treat him as if he's stupid because he's sort of you know kind of that ditziness. He's not. He, well, but he's. I mean, you got it. Like he's slick and he. I mean, I think he's greasy. I don't know. We'll he's see. Greasy. I wouldn't call yeah. him smart. I'd say he's uh, sly. Can I ask you sure. a question? How the hell do they manage to get a Nazi? A standing ovation in the House of Commons. Uh, you know what? I think a lot of it has to do with exactly what we're talking about, and that is just the uh, rewriting of history. Those who uh, control the news control the narrative, and um, a lot of people at this point, you know, they don't know or don't care that the Russians were on our side during World War II, and there's this visceral hate of all things Russian, not Russian government, but all things Russian right now in the mainstream ethos. Um, It's just the in thing to do is just hate a Russian. And the they're whipped into this frenzy so much that you could hate all things Russian so much 
that you forget that they fought the Nazis with us and actually probably paid a greater cost than many allied countries to do it. Um, that I think that's where it is. Like they're so people are so inundated with hate Russia, hate Russia, hate Russia, that all of a sudden Russia to you right now is worse than the Nazis. I, I just find like the last bit here, like the that is a massive embarrassment, and like you would think, because like I I know that I mean that's how you got East and West Germany. I sure. know the history of how that war happened, right? How does someone in the House of Commons on that level not have an instant flag? And that and that, and that's kind of what I want to get to. It's like I own a marketing company, okay, and um. Sometimes I get frustrated when one of my teams, like there's some graphic that we post for a client that they didn't want a year ago. It somehow comes back, yeah. right? And I'm like, why are we looking at this graphic again? How on that level of the highest, the Speaker of the House, and that's a very good position. I mean, like they, they get treated like rock stars. Uh, how on earth does that, and that's, he's not a young guy. He's not, you know, he's not a, he's older. How do they miss that? Like, I mean, I'm not even going to say it was deliberate. I, I, I miss that sheer incompetence. Yeah. I talked to one of my, my MP about it yesterday. Now, I get that part. Like, hey, stand up. You, like, I get it. Like, you know, like you, you clap. And when you're standing there, you don't know what you're, you're an MP. And you don't know what they're gonna, the speaker is going to present to you. And, and it, it happens. There has to be some sort of Decorum. Yeah. bipartisan niceness. Yeah, you know, I get that. But I, I, I'm still, like just shocked by it. Like, I, like what is going on there that they don't have that sense? And one of my friends, a reporter at CDC, um, I was talking to him and I just called him out like on a friend level. And I said, like, what, what, what do you think? And, and part of it's just, they've been in power so long that they've lost that sense of like everything seems to work out. I mean, you tell me one crisis that Trudeau has not come out on top of. We just had Joni Rainbow here in Fort McMurray at the Northeast Aboriginal Business Associations event. And you know what I mean? Like, I mean, you can make the argument. I mean, he's still there. I mean, SNC Lavalley didn't get investigated. Like, you got, like, it's insane. Like, he, orange juice got resignations from conservatives. Yeah, yeah. and I'll tell you why. Uh, part of the reason. Trudeau is still in power. Again, we've wandered way off topic. But one of the reasons I think Trudeau is still in power is because of the difference between conservatives and liberals. And we see Alberta is a great manifestation of this. We have zero tolerance for BS from our own leaders. From our, We don't subscribe to tribalism. If you are telling us you're a conservative and then you don't act conservative, we're going to show your ass the door. Ask Jason Kenney, ask Allison Redford, ask Daniel Smith 1.0, not Daniel Smith 2.0. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. this is what we do. We fracture parties apart. We will blow up the entire conservative movement if we think our leadership is not being conservative enough. Look at how the Wild Rose was formed. Look at how the reform was formed. As conservatives, we are not tribalist to a leader. We're tribalist to ideas. And if our leader is suddenly incompatible with our values, we will get rid of him. 
no matter, even if it means languishing in the wilderness for four years, like we did, um, or sitting in opposition for a while until we get our acts together. But liberals are tribalists to the leader and to power at all costs. That's how, that's my working theory. Because no matter what, people are going to vote for Justin Trudeau because they vote for liberal red. That's it. And conservatives don't vote for conservative blue. They vote for conservative ideas. And and I think that's the difference. That's why Justin Trudeau remains in power, hasn't been thrown out by his own party, even though his poll numbers are plummeting. And it's because their ideology is power and loyalty to the boss and ours is to something else. All right. Well, <laughs> there you go. On that note, Robbie, thanks so much for coming on the show. Um, I can't wait to get up to Fort McMurray to see you. I know I was planning to do it all summer, but I think I'm going to have to drive winter roads yes. to see you. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I just can't wait to see what you do next. And, th- and just thanks for the advocacy work advocacy work that you do on behalf of families like mine and, you know, hundreds of thousands of other families just like mine all across the country. Thank you very much. Thanks, Robbie. portion of the show where we invite your viewer feedback you see unlike the mainstream media and look i know i say this every week so regular viewers you're probably getting sick of this but you know we pick up new people all the time so i should tell you we leave the comment section on and i want to know what you think about the work that we do here at rebel news because without you really there is no rebel news because we don't rely on justin trudeau to help us keep the lights on we count on you at home it's the reason I give out my email address right now. It's Sheila at rebelnews.com. Put gun show letters in the subject line so I know exactly why you're reaching out to me. And uh, let me know what you thought about today's show with Robbie. Now, there are other ways to get a hold of me and to get your viewer feedback on the show. One of the ways is to leave a comment wherever you're watching us. For example, if you're watching the free version of the show on YouTube or Rumble, sometimes I go poking around over there to see what you people who sit through a couple of ads are thinking about the show. And I got some viewer feedback over on YouTube on last week's show that I did with Chris Sims, my friend from the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. And we were talking about just how the government is destroying the news industry by contaminating it with government money and government regulation. And so Lynn Richards795 on YouTube writes, great talk. I agree. Government ought not to be involved with the press. It's just too scary. We've seen how the government easily lies to us. So to not have the ability to voice opposition and to have debate takes away freedom for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when all the news is government approved, then who is holding the government to account on behalf of the people? Yes. Like us. Pretty much. (laughs) That's it. Let's keep going. I'm quite capable of thinking for myself and very adept at following my instincts. So I too do not need government, no matter which party, dictating what I can and cannot do here, speak, etc. Side note, I wish you would use another word instead of using euthanize when it comes to government shutting down a news outlet because euthanizing is kind and and a compassionate act and the government is not that. 
well, I'm going to push back on you a little bit. Euthanizing animals, that might be a sign of compassion, but euthanizing people, that's a sign of eugenics. (laughs) And so um, I would suggest that what the government did through regulation with the Sun News Network leading to the demise of Canada's only conservative cable news channel was euthanize it. It was eugenics. They were cleansing the airwaves of this conservative news outlet that they didn't like. So I guess our disagreement here is really not a disagreement at all. Um, It's just, uh, I use the word euthanize because I actually see euthanization as as an act of bad and not an act of compassion. So I guess we we disagree on tone, <laughs> but um, that's it. Uh, and I also use that to describe what the government did to the Freedom Convoy through the invocation of the Emergencies Act. I say they euthanized the protest, which is to um, end the protest to to uh, make sure that there was only one kind of protest in this country, and that's a left-wing protest that the government listens to. Um, although, if on the flip side, we can, we can do it your way. Let's talk about it as an act of compassion. Um, I guess the government put itself out of its misery by having that pesky little upstart conservative network called the Sun News Network bothering it and holding it to account. So there's that too. Well, everybody, that's the show for tonight. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'll see everybody back here in the same time, in the same place next week. And as always, don't let the government tell you that you've had too much to think.